And we're live. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. I'm not really feeling... That feels too whimsical, and uh, we are in the middle of a pandemic, let me remind you. Space, the final frontier. Yeah, not feeling the live long and prosper vibe either. In space, no one can hear you scream? Oh, that's more like it, Robin. There you go. In brightest day, in blackest night? Sounds kind of racial. A little bit uncomfortable at this point. I'm Roman Segel. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we're two dudes who are still waiting for our Green Lantern rings to show up in a bowl of Lucky Charms. They're magically delicious. (laughs) So, as we continue our series of subversive superhero stories, this week we're reading Far Sector by award-winning sci-fi author N.K. Jemisin and artist Jamal Campbell. Far Sector is one of 2020's many titles from DC's Young Animal pop-up imprint, created by Gerard Way, frontman of My Chemical Romance and creator of the Umbrella Academy. This 12-issue maxi-series follows newly chosen Green Lantern, Sojourner Joe Mullane, an Afghan war vet a fired police officer, and a black woman, and a sci-fi mystery on the other side of the universe. For the past six months, Joe has been protecting the city enduring, a massive metropolis of 20 billion people surrounding a star. The city is made of three factions living in a utopian society, the Na, the Adat, and the K-Topel. The Na are sexy humanoid bat creatures with awesome names. The Adat are a sentient AI species obsessed with memes. And the K Topel are carnivorous plants whose greatest complement is their greatest threat. These three former factions have maintained a tenuous peace by stripping all citizens of feelings with something called the emotion exploit. So today, crime is virtually unheard of. But 500 years ago, the three species were pitted against each other, destroying their shared worlds. And the aftermath of the apocalypse, the three species purged all emotions. Now, look, I'd only heard about this book, an all new, all different take on Green Lantern set in space, racism in space, and I wasn't sure what to expect. And it's been entertaining and unique, and honestly, only 10 issues have been released so far. Whoa, dude. That sounds familiar. (laughs) I call it pulling a Ryan. Touche. So, Ryan, I... I don't have my mind made up on this book. I don't know what I think about Far Sector. What do you think so far? I'm mixed on it. And what I, I like about it, I can I can talk about. What I don't like about it, I'm still kind of working through. I'm still trying to figure out how to articulate it. What I, I do like about it is Sojourner as the Green Lantern. She's a very, very different Green Lantern than we've seen before. Her powers are a little bit, are a little bit different. And Particularly in Far Sector, we're seeing her as a very young Green Lantern. She's not, she, you know, her her ability to use a ring is limited. She's a, really uncertain. You know, I love the detail that she's not really sure how to fly. Like she can do it, but just not with any confidence. And that, that tends to screw up her concentration. And then, you know, because the ring is powered by willpower, she loses that ability. So I love those moments of vulnerability with Sojourner. And I also like the way that, you know... There's, for most of the Green Lanterns, like Hal Jordan or Kyle Rayner, they just are, are they have remarkable They're willpower. good at what they it's do. Pretty, real, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So Jerner, you know, it doesn't really conquer her fear. She is fearful, but her 
I guess her gift, the way the ring works, is the ability to work even when you're afraid. And I think that's an interesting take on the traditional Green Lantern mythos. So as an introduction into this very different Green Lantern personality, yeah, I really think she's she's probably the strongest and most memorable Green Lantern characters who's out there. What I've always loved about Green Lantern is it started out with the one, right? Hal Jordan, the greatest. And then, you know, they had some fun with Guy Gardner and Jon Stewart and then even Kyle Rayner. And they've introduced an Arab and a Hispanic one as well as humans. But you've always had the ability to could there be, into- I just Could there be an Arab and a Hispanic alien? I'm just curious if that would, you know, how that would work out. I'm sure there are similar racial discrepancies between other species of, of aliens. So, no, but... I, Green Lantern has always had kind of a familiarity. You know how the universe and the mechanics of it work, and you can introduce new characters for their take on it. Unlike Batman, who's sure we've swapped out Batman a few times, but it's Mm. pretty much the same guy doing the same thing, maybe a different way every time. But with Green Lantern, what I love about this character, you know, when I heard about the book, I thought it was going to be racism in space. And so I was kind of looking for those metaphors and subtext. And there's some of it, but more important is Sojourner is a black woman and she's not drawn like Wonder Woman. She doesn't speak like Supergirl. There's an authenticity to the way she's portrayed, even though it's not an issue that she's black in the present moment in the city of Enduring. It's she's just a human. If anything, they're, making fun of and judging her because she's a human. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I like the character, I guess is what I'd say. Yeah, actually kind of on that, she's probably the most defined Green Lantern. You know, Kyle Rayner's like was an artist. Hal Jordan was a test pilot. But as personalities, as people whose past experiences dictate who they are in the present, that's not really evident really in any of the Green Lanterns, Guy Gardner, anyone. But with Sojourner, like her past experience very much dictate who she is as a person today and what sort of Green Lantern she is. And that that definitely makes her unique. I'm very glad we're not doing the racism in space thing as we kind of like, you know, kind of called it, you know, because that would have been sort of lazy, right? You just transplant a problem on Earth and then you move it to space and it's a clear metaphor. I'm very glad N.K. Jemisin isn't is clearly isn't doing that. However, Sojourner's experiences, you know, as a black woman in America, in New York City, as a cop, as an army soldier, all of that colors the way she views her experiences in the far sector. And I think that's like a really, you know, kind of like really adds to her sharp characterization. Well, and I also want to point it's, out it's, it's her ring. It's how her ring is powered. It's That's... how her ring is powered. Yeah. So so it's she oh. is actually a very unique Green Lantern. And you also mentioned the body type. She's stocky. She has kind of like a very wide base. She's not a she's not a waif. And I think that also is really refreshing. Like, to like, see like, her. like every female in comic books, right? Yeah. Black, white, Hispanic. They're all these kind of like pinnacle models. And but I, I really want to come back to how her ring is powered. They hinted at it for a while that her ring works differently, and mm. there's kind of two key differences, right? The one, I mean, it does all the stuff that rings can do. Anything, you know, plasma constructs, translation, supercomputer, all that shit. But the two things that are different are, you know, it doesn't need a recharge. It recharges itself. But the mechanics of the recharging, as I and I, I kind of, it's, it's only touched on in, in an issue kind of caught in the middle, but it's like, it's powered by her dealing with her fear and that's Mm -hmm. the nail on the head of this is a black woman 
black people have a fear. They have a constant fear of what's going to happen to them in society. And it plays out as a cop, as a woman in America in, in the flashbacks. And so her ability to conquer and overcome that fear is what's powering the ring. Even when the guardian meets her, she's kind of dealing with the aftermath of some of the stuff she saw as a cop. If there's only one thing other than how she's designed and how she speaks, but that hits the nail on the head of how would the black experience inform superheroics versus, you know, and John Stewart was the first black Green Lantern. He had a chip on his shoulder, Black Lightning, Luke Cage, etc. The way their blackness played out was very different than what I'm seeing with Sojourner. And I love the fact that it's actually her power. You know, I actually never read any of the John Stewart Green Lanterns. What was he's he great? Like? He's great. So he's ex army vet. I think he's a marine. He's an architect. But the original John Stewart, like because you know he was the number three Green Lantern on Earth in Space Sector twenty eight fourteen, he had a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he came out in the seventies, and that's how they wanted to portray the black experience. But he sense he's a great Green Lantern. I mean, he's had some massive fuck ups that have caused a lot of people to die, and. He carries that weight with them. He was a bit of a mentor to Kyle Rayner, who was he was my Kyle Rayner was my Green Lantern when I was reading. Yeah. Him. So same, um, same with same same with mine as well. He was he was Kyle Rayner was probably the most creative Green Lantern. That might have been because Grant Morrison was writing him when I was reading him. But he was also really? an artist. Yeah, and in, in JLA, you know, I always felt like uh, yeah, like, yeah, I got it, got it. How you know how Jordan would just do giant fists? How Jordan <laughs> would actually create like develop like inventions with the ring that were actually really innovative. And then what you were saying about John John Stewart. I'm actually kind of interested in the way a lot of these black characters, I mean I know you t- we talk about representation and all but they were just kind they're basic they were basically just angry. I'm talking not just about you know the way you describe John Stewart who I haven't read, but I'm also thinking about Luke Cage who was also like who came out in the in the 1970s and i also think about there was a character in the new warriors named rage i mean he was literally yeah. named rage he yeah. was a 13 year old steroidal guy who's just got really really angry and it seemed to like the default when it came to a lot of black superheroes particularly written by, hang on. superheroes written but written by white writers right guys yeah make them mad just make them angry and yeah. with jemison's green lantern with sojourner there's a lot more nuance. It's kind of tackling head on into these issues of race that Sojourner had to deal with as a girl and as a young woman. But the, the personality that comes out of it isn't just kind of like, I'm mad, I got a chip on my shoulder. She's afraid. She's going forward despite that fear. And she's also cynical. She's got. She's definitely got a sort of acerbic tongue. <laughs> I, it, yeah, I, as a character... I'm loving her. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the plot. Literally writing the yeah. summary for this episode, I had to like keep going back to look. I mean, there. To be clear, one thing I love is this is ain't this ain't on Earth. This is in a far sector. There's no Justice League. You're on your own. So the only two constants that we have are this black woman from Earth and the mythos of Green Lantern. That's it. Everything yeah. else is. I don't want to say it's batshit wild. Is it as good as Saga, et cetera? It's not, but it's unique. It feels original. Yes and no. So like, let, let's talk. I mean, I think I think we both really like Sojourner. And as a platform for this for the introduction of Sojourner as a Green Lantern, I think Far Sector is phenomenal. But as a murder story, as sort of like a story that of, about space politics, there are things that I really, really like that N.K. Jemisin builds into her world. And there are things that feel very underdeveloped. 
even though I feel that they're core to the world she's trying to create. And then the plot, I think, is is a bit of a mess because it gets into <laughs> we get into like serious. You know, I mean, I hate space politics. I got to tell you, man. Like, you don't like mutant politics. You don't like space politics. Hey, oh yeah, it's so boring, though. You know what? Like, we I get enough of that. We get enough of that in the real world. Like, I really no, man. Get give give me my space C span. Give me my space west. Okay, so so so, what did you think about? Do you want to talk about the plot first or the world first? Or well, do you, we can talk about it both at the same time. I mean, I want to start with the world because we we really okay. need to unpack it. There's basically, yeah. I said it in the summary. It's this space metropolis built in the ashes of a world that was demolished 500 years ago. So a city of 20 billion, that's almost the size of a solar system. And there's three species. So it's not just one alien species. And one is AI, one is humanoid bat creatures that are like straight up sexy. And the other one is like killer carnivorous tree people. (laughs) And, And go ahead. What did you think of them? I'm just because because like I have mixed feel like some of, I, I really like the living code. The, I think that's where Jemison that's my least really favorite kind of shows. Oh, that's my least really? favorite. Really? Okay. The only go. thing I, the only thing I like about space AI is their obsession in the currency of memes. I my my favorite species is the Na, and part of it is because the names are so badass. I just got to read some of the names. Are those the tree people? Are those or are those the bat no, people, no, no. sexy bat people? No, so the Na are the sexy bat people with the really Oh, those are my least favorite. Okay, good. This is going to be fun. (laughs) Well, look, they had me at the name. I just have to read some of the names. And I'm a little confused on characters, so to your point, maybe the the plot is a little bit loose. The peace officer, friend with benefits, is Sizen of the Cliffs by the Streaking Ice. And the names, they're part Native American, part, you know, Trail of Tears, where were they when the whole world fell apart 500 years ago? The other names from the Na characters, one of the council members is Marth of the Sea, By the Wavering Dark, Until the Sun Falls. Stephen of the Glacier, By the Wavering Dark. These are cool fucking names. Come on. I don't like the aesthetic of them for the most part. I mean, the dreadlock sexy man, he's kind of cool. But like, I just love the names. And what they did with it, it's it's fun. My second favorite is the tree the, people, the yeah, what tree people. Yeah, what um, are they called? Let's just the call Kato, them. The Kato let's, Kato call Kato them Kato. let's call them the Groots. The Groots. <laughs> Trees that eat people. Yeah, they're pretty cool, but they're they're not as fleshed out as I wanted them to be. Um, That's because they're tree people. They have no flesh, Rummin. They just have a Sorry. taste for flesh. Clearly. Um, I don't. Why do you like the AI, the the like sentient AI? What so? I feel like that's done. I've, I've seen it so many times before. It was the most unoriginal of the alien species because they're genuinely different. I I, I was not into them until uh, Sojourner went into their world and kind of showed how they operate. And then that's when I was like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting. I like the idea that they can hack into biological entities, a.k.a. meat salad, and, you know, burn them, them out. Burn them out completely. Yeah, burn them out. Hack hack them and take take over, and in the process, killing them. And when they do that, though, it, it, it 
alters the AI because there's the shock of the death that they can't get over. So those details I thought were unique and original. And the way and, and the culture that they have, they exist in this sort of other world. You kind of have to upload yourself into the computer to access the world and you realize they're not actually codes, they're actually people. Never seen that before. Um, where, where, else, where, where else where else actually? I'm not well, the, I'm not the, the, as... the, the, the Matrix is jacking in, Necromancer. It's very it's a borrowed evolved concept. It, no, it no, just no. felt tired. Yes, the the jacking into a computer is a borrowed concept, but her spin on it, I think, is unique. That this whole culture kind of is built in this in this computer. It's not like a big machine controls it and it's a virtual world that I've seen before. But this no, is an no, actual world. It, an no, actual... It, it's again. I feel like it's been done before. Again, it's it's okay. I just it felt way too familiar to me. Oh, yeah. time moves differently. Time doesn't move linearly. Oh, the the AI is sentient. The AI has a point of view on emotions. Like, and that's okay because what Jemison's doing is she's colliding these three concepts against each other. I, ah, but you it, know, to me, they, they were the most interesting because actually, to me, they were the most unique. Versus like the bat people were just like they could be characters out of saga. You know, they're just people with mutations. Yeah, and um, to be fair, to be fair, that's probably why I liked them the most. It felt too close to that. It felt familiar, so to kind of like, I don't know, eat my own sock. Like, yeah, you're right. But she's borrowing. She's borrowing generously and colliding things she likes with each other. And let's talk about the little shop of horrors people, Gro- the Groots, <laughs> the the Audreys. They were so they were. I think they I were kind more, of a mis- I wanted more. I wanted more of them. Yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, they were. They were a missed opportunity. I think they could have been weirder. Yeah, they were. They looked pretty humanoid. I know they have like their little mouths on the stomach and they do have a strange culture that i would have loved to have seen more of and maybe we'll see more of in the next two episodes i do feel like as tree people as like car- they're basically a species of carnivorous plants I, this is actually my, my my big issue with the nk jemisons with the three alien species they all looked too similar they are all humanoid it, and it I, me, I, I that's it took me forever to untie who's who what's going on with what like she tries but it's almost too ambitious to do in 12 uh, issues. I actually feel like she could have probably done more if she got rid of the tedious space politics and actually use this as, or maybe at least use the politics to explore these different cultures as a, as a means, because she spends a lot of time trying to untangle who wants what, what's the history of this world? How did this come to be? Who's voting? Who is voting? Like that's less like a legitimate <laughs> question versus like if she had used that opportunity rather than going into that, but looking into the different cultures and the weirdnesses of these of these cultures and how they you know just explode against each other that would have been uh, that would have been really really cool and again this is it was an opportunity to really make far sector weird and i feel she kind of went halfway there with the variety of the alien species but didn't go all the way there because as i mentioned earlier at the end of the day everyone is sort of human humanoid with human emotions even though they're not supposed to have human emotions yeah there, there were moments there were moments where the way people acted never mind the drug that makes people like get your emotions back all of the people who were supposed to not have emotions were acting very emotional very so, emotional yeah and that's another missed opportunity what, so so what, what do you think of that i i liked the premise i didn't like the execution but i want to i want to touch on something else actually ryan saga i mean i Again, it's it's kind of I hate to compare it to Saga because so, it's not a fair comparison. But Saga is beautiful. It's weird. It's wacky. It Fiona Staples beautifully draws it. And the thing about this book, 
far sector. It's uh, the art is gorgeous. It's almost too gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. I can't feel weirded out. I can't have visceral reactions to anything. But for somehow on Saga, Fiona Staples does give me visceral reactions to these weird and wild concepts. This book is too squeaky clean. To, to your, and that's the opposite of I wanted it to be weird. I wanted weirder. You're right. I needed it. And, and the, the elements are all there for the fucking weirdness. Yeah. They they definitely they definitely are. It's just they kind of sometimes go the most mundane route possible. They're it playing actually, it safe. They're playing it safe. You know, I, visually it did remind me of Saga, and I I I, I said that the Na feel like characters that could very easily just fit into the world of Saga. What are you pouring? You're pouring something. I was actually downing some bourbon. Ah, oh, okay. So that that's um, this is my drinking time. This is my happy space. <laughs> Comic books, arguing with a friend and drinking. Come on, man. But I feel like so I feel like Far Sector is trying to do something very different than Saga. Far Sector's almost kind of wants to be like a very cold. I mean, people here aren't emotional. Like a very cold examination of these cultures versus Saga is sort of like this, this it's a family saga, really, right? It's a, it's this family trying to stay together. Saga almost has like a soap opera aspect versus Far Sector is like science fiction homicide investigation and you know but and and there's no political edge ryan so i know you they went space west wing where they should have gone space racism and i know it would have been a little too overt but i think this the story needs more edge to it it needs weirdness and it needs edge and all the elements are there there is no look you've got three warring species that don't have biases and stereotypes against each other, no racial slurs are thrown against these kind of like warring factions. They only throw racial slurs at the human. Like, no. Yeah, I don't think it needs to go space racism, but I will say it needs to go like space Chinatown, which sounds like space (laughs) racism, but it is not. You've seen Chinatown, right? I haven't, I haven't, but I get the reference. I guess is what I'd say. Yeah, but it's just—it's this guy who's just jaded. He gets a case. It's a basic infidelity case, I think. And as he investigates further, he uncovers this greater conspiracy, and he's just lost in the system. I mean, it's actually clear, like who's doing what and why. But at the same time, you get—you suddenly get the sense that this guy is in totally over his head, and no matter what he does, no matter what change he tries to affect, the problem is just too big for him to do anything. And I feel like, obviously, we are too—we have not read all of Far Sector because the last two episodes, the last two issues, have not yet come out. But I feel Far Sector kind of needed to go in that in that direction. Yeah, it's you just, know again, she's she's not, with the exception of like her eating food, then her having. Well, okay. No, I was going to say, with the exception of her eating food and her having sex with aliens, there's no stranger in a strange land. The food is kind of hilarious. There's kind of Mm -hmm. like three or four instances where, for the most part, everyone's trying to please her with food, and it sucks. Be it AI virtual food, be it like weird soup from a fat lady, or like her friend with benefits (laughs) making her food. But Weird soup from a fat lady? I'm just having this image of this fat lady like sweating soup out of her body is that way which one was that one well there it's she's like damn this is delicious it's like the one time oh. she enjoys the food but oh yes point, i remember you're right yeah sorry and they could have gone weirder with it but space sex she could have sweated is, the soup out of her body yeah sorry. but yeah exactly exactly but space sex and again it's alluded to you know making out lights out something happens and the guy has bat wings in it and a tail you know, like use like, them, like, baby. Is that what you're saying? Like he, he should use. I mean, he probably should no, use I, them. She's got a power ring. You, 
I don't need to see everything. But even like that's not really fleshed out. These relationships are very human. They're yeah. You, it's like mundane. It's, it's mundane. It's there's it's the world building I... takes the world building takes lots of swings. The living in the world, her reactions to the world don't take a lot of swings. I'm not it's very procedural. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of her having sex with people she's supposed to be investigating. That feels like an unforced error on her part. You know, it's just sort of like, you know, as, when you're watching a character do something stupid, you're just like, are you sure you want to do that? But it does, it did kind of create some interesting opportunities to kind of tie her emotionally to certain people and to kind of show some really weird stuff. And of course, unfortunately, the person she decides to have sex with is the guy who looks like like just a regular sexy dude with wings and a tail. I would have loved to have seen her get it with a tree or a computer program. <laughs> there, there's still two issues left, Brian. So. Yeah, that's no, true. And, but, I mean, look, I hate to say this. There are only two issues left. And so other than some massive finale battle, I don't. I'm sure they'll complete the story. There'll be some self-discovery. There's a lot of threads, and I don't see how you can tie all the threads together by the end of this book. Yeah. I could be pleasantly surprised, but I feel the, that the book is ambitious, but the book isn't swinging for the fences. Quick, quick digression to our listeners. If you do want to read a comic book where there is tree sex, please check out Swamp Thing, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. There is... <laughs> Who's actually, if you go to our website, qtdcomics.com, I think the top graphic is all of Alan Moore's characters in my favorite American painting, Edward Hopper's Nighthawks, and Swamp (laughs) Thing is in that. So there you go. Indeed, but he's very G-rated Swamp Thing in that one. So I I also, you know, we kind of touched on the emotional um, component as well. So, you know, a fundamental premise um, really is that these three species were warring, and then they basically got something that was that made them all devoid of emotion and they were totally fine afterwards like they weren't they weren't feeling all angry with each other anymore and that was something that's and that's fundamental to the to the storyline and it's so kind of disappointing the way that's handled and i know we mentioned this before because there's no real clear distinction between the characters who don't have the emotion versus characters who are emotional as you mentioned earlier roman everyone's feeling emotional and that's another opportunity that opportunity that that i feel jemison could have explored but did it like what are these three species like without emotion you know just because something is without emotion they they would could still behave differently the way their logic works for them you know that, that it was an opportunity to really kind of dig into that and you know to kind of show how how sojourner kind of butts heads with with these with these people but instead more often more often than not it feels like everyone is kind of ha- kind of hits the normal emotional registers they get angry they get they get kind of indignant they get offended yeah and i think the, the whole premise again similar very ambitious this idea of the emotion exploit and the drug the switch off it's pretty fucking cool and yeah. i it towards i the latter third of the 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 issues that we've read, it does get interesting because a couple of people talk to Sojourner and they say, man, why am I being robbed of my emotions? I need to feel. Back then, when we were at each other's throats, I get it. Flip the switch. But now we can't process it. Even the AI, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but she's in the diner talking to the a, her AI buddy right after she's been in the AI, AI buddy's world saying something like, yeah, kind of sucks for emotions to have been cut off for us and 
and, and it, it, where it does really get interesting is the emotion sweatshops. Like there's some interesting stuff happening, but they don't go far enough into it. Yeah, I forgot that. Is there are, there, are the emotions cut off for the AI? Yeah, they are right because I've her AI companion at Ken has. You know, the way she's drawn, she's actually drawn kind of like a very frivolous, almost sort of like a 20-year-old, you know, carefree woman. And her personality has that aspect as well. So she clearly does have a personality, even though she's not supposed to have emotion. And every time Sojourner says, oh, you know, you don't have emotion, I'm kind of reminded, oh, yeah, these characters, this aren't supposed to have emotion. I... It's it's actually incredibly confusing to me the way that aspect is executed, which is really kind of disappointing because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's a fundamental aspect of the conflict in this in this comic. Yeah. I, again, it's look. I'll read the next two issues. I'm curious to see how it concludes. So you know, as I was reading the issues, I was reading a lot of the other promo pieces for DC, and in between episodes of Quarantine Comics, I've been picking up some of DC's other stuff. Where DC beats Marvel, in my opinion, is they've chosen, we're just going to find the best writers from other venues outside of comic books, give them some cash, and tell them to go wild with our characters, be it Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Green Lantern, Batman, etc. And so it's refreshing. They are making swings. There are some misses. But... For the most part, what DC is trying to do, again, from an evil marketing standpoint, it's kind of genius. Hey, you like this writer who wrote those amazing science fiction things, and you know comics are kind of cool, and you recognize the premise of this character or this mythos, Green Lantern, Superman, Batman, Batgirl, etc. We're going to have some fun with this. And so I saw a lot of ads for stuff like this. Even the imprint by which this is written, you know, DC basically partnered with Gerard Way to say, go make some weird ass shit. And they're doing it. So to their credit, I'm glad this isn't just, you know, this comic would have sucked if it was just Kyle Rayner. Now, why this comic isn't as good as it could be is with the exception of some of the character beats and the personality of Sojourner acting like herself or Sojourner reacting to situations or having flashbacks to her life. I think you could have inserted Kyle Rayner or John Stewart or a guy Gardner into this. Oh, I would kind of disagree with that because a lot of what happens, you know, a lot of what makes this book pop when it does pop is Sojourner's personality and the way she handles these problems. You're right. Kyle Rayner could probably function. This would, I, I, this, this, the action sequences. No, this whole book, I could, I can see Kyle Rayner dealing with all of this. I could read this as a Kyle Rayner book. I feel the book is too tied to so- Sojourner's personality and what she kind of grew I th- up. No, I, I, th- I think the book would have been better if the plot was more tied to her personality. But there's oh, not yeah. much. Again, there's yeah, no, opportunities. The, yeah, strange, exactly. Stranger in a strange land. Oh, I'm a rookie. I'm just figuring out. That was Kyle Rayner's shtick for like 10 years. Uh, Kyle Rayner, one of the Green Lanterns from the 90s when Ryan and I were reading comics. Like, He's not a black woman. He's a white guy from white artist from San Francisco. But, you know, he kind of hooked up with aliens, too. Like, you know, like he bucked the system. So did Hal Jordan. So did Guy Gardner. So it. It feels like a Green Lantern story. The only thing that's different is Sojourner's an amazing character, I guess is what I'm saying. And well, yeah, 
Yeah. So, so I mean, if if you know that character is propelling you through the story, I, I guess I don't see how you could feel. But how what, you feel what, like what, you what, just... what what I don't see is what unique about Sojourner is impacting the plot uniquely. Mm. If that makes sense, I'm seeing it through Sojourner, the black, the authentic black woman's eyes, and that's really cool. But I don't see many of her takes. Again, coming back to space racism, there's a lot of great flashbacks to her experiences as a black woman on Earth. I don't see her bringing it in uh, into and against the plot. I see it of her being a Green Lantern with the personality, authentic personality of a black woman living in this world. But I don't see any unique takes being had by her. I I I do feel like on a just kind of action by action basis, you're right. You can kind of like put Tal Jordan or Kyle Rayner or John Stewart in there. But I do feel like, you know, you do get her thoughts as she's confronting these problems. And those feel uniquely like Sojourner. You know, at the end of the day, I don't know. At the end of the day, the the superhero is going to persevere, right? Whether it's Peter Parker or Hal Jordan or Sojourner or Tony Stark or whomever. There's going to be a conflict. The the superhero is going to try to challenge it. And the superhero is going to win. And I feel like that's just, you know typical of every i don't i don't really look for a comic a superhero comic to really break that mold too much i just feel like along the way you get a sense of how who their personality is and how they are approaching the conflict or how they're thinking about the conflict and i feel you get that with sojourner in in far sector i think again this is actually where the last two issues could tie all the threads together we've gotten a lot of flashbacks to her life to her personality is the way she solves the problem going to be unique to who she is? We know she's going to save the day. We know there's going to be some conflict resolution because all superheroes, be it Tony Stark, Peter Parker, Kyle Rayner, Hal Jordan, Sojourner, can do it. The question is... Ever... I mean, when was the last superhero story where that... I mean... Overlooking the powers, obviously, when Superman solves a problem, he's using his, you know, his powers unique to him. When Spider-Man solves a problem, he's using his powers unique to him. But when was the last time a superhero solved a problem in a way that was unique to their personality? Those stories are kind of rare. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, and I can't really think of one. Well, to be clear, and that's why I think... Is that the hype of the book? That's You know, and actually something I'm kind of really hoping for kind of like Rogue One, I hope this is a one and done. Maybe Sojourner wins, but she doesn't survive it, you know? Like, she saves the day, she solves the problem, so you can't go make crappy Sojourner stories later on. This is a one and done. We plucked this woman with these authentic experiences out and put her, you know, put her into the put her into the frying pan and and kind of see what happens. I do wonder. It's a maxi series. It's technically in continuity, but you know, will she sur- I think I I'm sure she'll save the day. The question is will she survive it? Well, one thing you're going to lose as you have if you assume you have more sojourner stories is you're going to lose sojourner as a rookie. You know, and that's very and that's one of the things that I like about this book. She's she's a rookie. She doesn't quite know how to use the ring, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to explore down the line. Like what is she like? As she becomes more mature as a Green Lantern, as she realizes the extent of her powers with that ring, how else does that ring differ from the rings the other Green Lanterns have? And, you know, maybe 
another writer is going to have the opportunity to explore that. You know, I can't, you know, as with most superhero comics, I don't imagine... N.K. Jemisin, the originator of, of Sojourner, writing all of her adventures. But in a way, the fact th- that you say, you know, she's, you, you know, that you mention, oh, maybe she doesn't survive. Maybe she's better as a one shot. That actually almost speaks to the strength of who she is at this moment in Far Sector, because it's almost kind of hard to think. You know, a lot of the times uh, characters who are in continuing stories who never age who aren't a product of their times, you know, Sojourner, you know, she references 9-11, right? They have to kind of have blander personalities, less specific personalities, because they have to kind of, you kind of have to string them out over 10, 20, 30, 40 years. The fact that Sojourner, that we kind of think, oh, maybe, so this should really just be a one shot, to me, emphasizes how strong she is as a character. I I don't disagree with that. But again, I, I want her force of personality to impact the plot more than it has. And again, something could change in the next two issues with that because maybe it's where it all comes together with how she chooses to solve this problem. I mean, to me, the plot is the weakest aspect of Far Sector. I don't, you know, it's sort of like you you kind of move from thing to thing, but it isn't all that interesting. The space politics isn't all that interesting. What is interesting is how it serves as a platform for Sojourner's personality to come out. And where the book is weakest is where the plot starts to take over and that becomes like on in the foreground rather than kind of in the background and Sojourner's kind of just working her way through it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What I, one thing I'll say to bring it back to what I love is I love how it's removed from continuity, but kind of loyal to the mythos, right? It's like yeah. the jail, Justice League's not showing up. Hal Jordan's not showing up. The only familiar things we see is kind of like one guardian of the universe to show her Green Lantern origin story. Other than that, she's on her own. And so this is completely uncharted territory. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of uncharted territory, Raman, what uncharted territory are you going to be exploring next week? Next week's another new book for us, Ryan. It's something neither of us have read and something I'm personally looking forward to. We're going to read... Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, by writer Matt Fraction, who we've actually covered before when we read Hawkeye. And I don't know what this book is about. I'm sure it's going to be fun. So all I'm going to do is read some of the lyrics from The Spin Doctor's Jimmy Olsen's Blues. I don't think I can handle this. A cloudy day in Metropolis. I think I'll talk to my analyst. I got it so bad for this little journalist. It's driving me up the wall and through the roof. Lois and Clark in a telephone booth. I think I'm going out of my brain. I got it so bad for little Miss Lois Lane. Oh, Lois Lane, please put me in your plan. Yeah, Lois Lane, you don't need no Superman. Come on downtown and stay with me tonight. I got a pocket full of kryptonite. That was beautiful, Raman. And I know those lyrics are probably copyrighted, so Apple, please don't delete us. (laughs) 